Markitecture is a new publication offering in-depth interviews with leading vendors, founded by Ari Paparo, along with a team of ad and marketing tech experts. Every week, we add another two full-length video interviews from these experts to help you decide which partners are the best fit for your business. Visit Markitecture.tv to register and start receiving Markitecture's weekly free newsletter. This week on Next in Marketing, I spoke with Andrew Lipsman, a principal analyst at Insider Intelligence, about the booming retail media sector. Andrew and I discussed whether this category has already gotten a bit too crowded and whether every retailer can realistically see themselves in the ad business for the long haul. Andrew also surprised me by predicting that in-store media, ads and brick-and-mortar stores could emerge as the next big replacement for linear television. Let's get started. Everything we know about the media, marketing, and advertising business is being completely upended thanks to technology and data. We're talking with some of the top industry leaders as they steer their companies through constant change. Welcome to Next in Marketing. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Next in Marketing. My guest this week is Andrew Lipsman. He's the Principal Analyst at Insider Intelligence. Hey, Andrew. Thanks for being here. Hey, Mike. Great to be with you. Andrew, um, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you because you have just, you're, you're knee deep in retail media, which is one of the most exciting, fascinating categories right now in the ad business. You've just given a presentation, in fact, on where all this is going. So it's perfect timing. I want to just maybe start from big picture. Have you ever, I, this is like a little bit of a softball maybe, but I, I think it's interesting. Like, have you ever, have you ever seen anything like this where a category grows this quickly, this fast and gets this wide adoption? I can't, I can't even think of what to compare it to. Uh, well, we just did a, a recent comparison that, that looked at, I've called it the third wave of digital advertising after search and social. Right. Um, and it has uh, accelerated and grew from 1 billion to 30 billion in five years time. It took search 14 years, it took social 11 years. Um, so there's a lot to that argument, but I would say this has been growing for a long time. And I, I would even say, I started noticing ads on retail e-commerce sites as far back as 2012. Um, Amazon has. See, it been... feels like we just start this category just start out of nowhere. But you're right, but that, there, there, you think about the eBay's of the world. It has been out there, and, and Amazon and, and Walmart. Mm -hmm. They were putting display ads on their site, you know, over a decade ago. So it's been slowly building. I think the the real uh, the real thing to think about is why has this flown under the radar for so long? It has right. been driven very heavily by Amazon, um, and for Amazon, you know, they're high margin ancillary business outside of e-commerce was AWS. So, yeah, yeah. so you had advertising kind of quietly growing um, and then they just pulled up the veil on those numbers last year officially and everyone saw exactly how big it was, you know, right. 30 billion. Um, and then at the same time, we've seen every retailer flooding into the market and trying to build a retail media network of their own. Right. Yeah, I, I, I was wondering why, why did it why did it take so long and why this seems like it should have been Google's to own. They would they they've already been you know they've been in the business of you know AdSense for retail would have made so much sense for them. It just never happened. I wonder if they were sleeping on it or no one wanted to let them into the into this world. But while it was built, while it was growing up, yeah, I mean, I think Google could have had a position to set the standard that every retailer has to plug into. That hasn't happened, so that's still actually mm -hmm. a white space that will probably get solved over time. Um, Google invented closed loop performance advertising yeah. and search ads. Um, and I would argue that retail media in its current incarnation is even a better version of that because you have contextual relevance. People are on that site ready to shop and buy yeah. already. So it's like that Google ad on steroids. Right. Um, to some extent, the retailers, they own that traffic. So it, it's theirs um, to monetize as they are today. 
but you know, I think we're also just getting started in terms of where this market goes. It's, it's mostly been driven by search, search uh, on-site search. Yeah. Search still has legs, but where it goes next, um, it gets even more fast. Right. I, I am I am con- considering it as just text ads, just search ads that are very much like Google, but there is a lot more potential there. But uh, you, you, I, I guess you're right. I, I was always thinking, well, this is going to be, this is not most retailers' core business. It's going to be hard. Why wouldn't they just outsource it to somebody? And they they have tech partners, for, but for the for many of them, they've gotten really serious. I mean, between Walmart and Kroger, they built out huge divisions and made it a core part of their operations, which I would not have expected. Yeah, well, they see the opportunity, right? If you're in a thin margin business, um, layering in even right. a small uh, incremental revenue stream that has really gaudy margins um, transforms their business. And even Walmart, you're starting to see that improve their bottom line. Obviously, it's it's driving Amazon's bottom line in a significant way. Right. So they have every incentive to do it. Not everyone's going to succeed. So like the low-hanging fruit is maybe you outsource to an ad tech park partner, you monetize the existing search traffic, and you get a little bit of ancillary revenue. It's kind of like found money. Yeah, it's found money. Um, Most of them can't really in-house it and do it themselves. Even Walmart, you know, they tried and kind of struggled and went back and forth, and ultimately they partnered with the trade desk as their To build Walmart Connect, yep. Yeah, and so now they've got a a huge opportunity, Um, but I think most retailers are going to find that they they're going to struggle to, to in-house or in-house fully. Right. Okay. I was going to ask you, you mentioned, we mentioned Amazon. They're so dominant. They have a 30, what, $31 million billion dollar business here. It's like the world's greatest side hustle, I would say. Um, how, if, they're, if they're not in this category, are we still seeing the, I mean, obviously they're a huge piece of it. Is it still the, the juggernaut that we see? Or are they, I guess how much, how much are they driving this on their own versus like everybody else collectively just pulling in dollars? I would say we're getting to a point where it's fair to say it's both now, but mm-hmm. Amazon's about 77% of the market in the U.S. Okay. Um, so it's driving it. But the same thing happened with search and social. You had that dominant player who, who really drove most of that market. So if there was a duopoly in digital media, there's a monarchy right now in this one. <laughs> Absolutely. But, um, you know, it's it's about a 40, it's going to be about a $45 billion business this year. So if you can get 1% market share, that's 450 million and really high nice. margin revenue. Yeah. That's a pretty nice business, right? Walmart's yeah. already over 2 billion or so. Um, I think there's there's definitely a handful of players that can ultimately cross that billion dollar mark. That's a pretty nice business. So yeah. um, and, and they're innovating and a lot of them, I would say also have really interesting um, advantages, competitive advantages. And I, I think a lot about the, the, the retailers that have brick and mortar, so much of the future is going into brick and mortar, um, that's an advantage for Walmart over Amazon. It's an advantage for Kroger. Um, yeah. Instacart has a huge footprint of you know in-store grocery shopping that they're ultimately representing. I want to come back to that point. That's really interesting. But I, it struck me looking at you, you, had a, you recently put out a report on this third wave, which is which is is quite profound. It's a profound way to put it, how big this is, this big opportunity is. But it struck me that Walmart and Insta, Instacart, you're forecasting them to grow at a faster rate than even like TikTok this coming year. Like they're among, among the fastest growing ad, ad companies in the business, which is wild to me. Yeah, I mean, they're, the way to think about it is they're, they're already starting to scale their businesses, um, but it, the, the opportunities are getting bigger for them and they're getting better right. every day. I mean, Walmart has been a great story. Seth Delaire, who I call the godfather of, of retail media. Yeah. You know, he was early Amazon, then Instacart, and now he's at Walmart. Um, he, he made help uh, oversee some major changes that improve that platform. 
And um, that has resulted in a big increase in return on ad spend. And that's encouraging a lot more brand investment. So they're right. just starting to kind of hit that inflection point. Instacart scaled their business quickly. Um, they represent, you know, 300 or 400 uh, national and regional grocery chains. So they're representing huge segments of uh, a really big market. So right. there's still a lot of room to run. Now, the, those really strong percentages that we're forecasting over 40%, it's off a smaller base than sure. some of the big players. Amazon, by comparison, we expect to grow 19%, but Amazon's going to grow a humongous number. off a humongous number. So it's going to yeah. grow more this year. Um, we project with about 5.7 billion or 5.8 billion in incremental ad spend this year, more than right. Google and Meta combined. Right, which is wild. Okay, I want to come back to what your, your point on in there for not long ago. Before, let's look at before the pandemic. It was the retail apocalypse. Retail was like having brick and mortar was almost a liability. Um, and now you know it was like you have to reinvent the store experience, or no one's ever going to bother again. Now, now you're talking about it as an asset, as particularly that can be connected to this on-site retail media activity. What ha what happened there? And am I, am I reading that right? And why why do you why are you bullish on the, connecting those two things? Well, first, let's put retail in context. It's still uh, brick and mortar. It's eighty five percent of retail sales. Um, yeah, right. E commerce is going to even continue. with all that's happened with you know, the shutdowns and the way that everyone's oh everyone's on e commerce. It's still the bulk of the way people shop by by far. And e-commerce e is going to continue to tick up by a percentage point or so mm -hmm. every year for the foreseeable future. Um, but it's going to take a long time before, you know, we get past a point where, where even three quarters isn't in brick and mortar. So brick and mortar right. is here to stay. Um, it has a ton of traffic. Consumers are there to shop. Um, and we have not thought about stores as the next major media channel. And no. I think that's a massive opportunity. And there is... Um, I think an impulse to think about, well, oh, I can put ads in stores and drive people to buy my product then and there. And certainly that's going to be part of its value proposition. But I think that can also create a performance trap where we start to think of it as performance advertising and not brand advertising. Right. So I think about this, to me, the in-store experience, you can provide brand safe, contextually relevant ads, um, great branding experiences, at scale and reach massive, massive audiences. You know, Walmart gets about 200 million shoppers a month um, compared to, you know, they're the second biggest e-commerce site at about 130 million. So, right. so a much, much larger audience in store. Um, and you can provide great branding experiences for those shoppers. And to me, it, this starts to become a substitute, frankly, for linear TV budgets. Like this is a place where those Dollars should probably go. It's not as though there, there has been in-store advertising for a long time. In fact, it was a very lucrative business. But we were talking mostly about coupons and sampling and fighting for shelf space. You're talking about using the store as an as almost like a you know a way to roll up a bunch of GRPs with all with all the people that you see every day. Can you explain what you yeah. envision there, or what you what you're kind of seeing in the market? That that's exactly right. Um, so so first off, if you're the retailer. If you just get people to shift your shopper and trade spend from those budgets into retail media and store, it's not a net revenue gain for you. Yeah. Right. They want it to come from a, from other budgets. Those national media budgets that are looking for better places to go. Right. TV hasn't had a better place to go in many respects. And now we're starting to see stre streaming TV yep. open up some of that opportunity. You got Facebook budgets that are trying to figure out where to go. Right. All of a sudden, the idea, the identity challenges they've had, they've got to 
a whole bunch of brands don't know what to do with that money. Yeah. So, so where does it go? In store can can help plug that gap. Now you're not going to get the same storytelling that a 30 second TV spot. So it's not a perfect substitute. Yeah. But it can do a lot of the things and brings a lot of the things that that TV does in terms of you know brand safety and consumer brand experiences. Mm-hmm. And it, it's also an opportunity for non endemic brands um, to be advertising in store. So I think that it it has the potential to fill a big void. And then you know scale is very easy to look past. Um, I, I shared some data recently. And that Walmart data I alluded to puts shopper traffic in the context of in-store audiences. Like, let's think mm-hmm. of them as uh, eyeballs. Um, and so right. I worked with like, with place- like uh, every weekend, X million people go to these stores and that's, that's hugely valuable audience and it's reliable. Yeah. And those, those TV budgets, they want scale first. So if TV yeah. is harder and harder to get scale, well, stores can provide that scale. Um, the other thing I know you've talked about this in the past is, you know, the audience matters and it's an opportunity to reach the unreachables. The ones, right. the younger demos who don't mm-hmm. watch linear TV anymore, they shop in stores. Um, so so there, this can really help provide incremental reach for a brand and reach people at the right time in the right mindset. What, what are you envisioning exactly? Like, is it gonna, are we gonna be, are you talking about like, you know, video screens in stores that are, that are kind of like TV-like? Or are you talking about just signage or all, all kinds of different things? What are you imagining? All, all of the above. There's potential for a lot of different surfaces. Um, I'll, I'll mention a few of them. So some stores like a Walmart or a Best Buy, they have TV walls. So th- mm-hmm. that's, that's one pretty big surface. Not every store has that. Um, you have checkout, uh, not just the terminals that's been used. I think that's actually one of the lower quality sure. experiences. But as you enter the checkout aisle, if you think about you know the coolers that are that are in front of that checkout aisle, that could be a digitized surface. You have cool the cooler aisle uh, with a company like Cooler Screens. You've got uh, a company like Vive who is providing um, smart cart technology that that provides right. those touch points. You've got the potential to digitize end caps. Uh, there's all these. If you go into an Amazon Fresh store, you're going to see some drop-down screens uh, yeah. between the aisles. So there's all these potential surfaces, and I think you have to do it if you're a retailer in a way that's very mindful of the customer experience. So you don't want to barrage them um, with too many of these right. experiences. But there's plenty of surfaces to work with. Yeah, and this sounds a lot more. Um, it's it's a lot more about delivering a brand message than just dangling a, a, a you know a, a discount in front of somebody or trying to get somebody to buy a pack of gum at the at the register. Um, I want to ask you about we we talk about this we're talking about a substitute for branding. Going back to the broader retail media explosion, I often wonder about this. How much of this do brands think about this in terms of? Well, is this all demand that I was gonna? kind of get anyway is this actually delivering a lot of brand value for me or am i just capturing people that were <laughs> totally in market ready to make a purchase anyway is that a concern that you hear in the, in the industry increasingly so and especially from cpg world um yeah. there there is listen if you just looked at the pure return on ad spend numbers um they're gonna look pretty good you know four dollar yeah. roas and everybody's excited about that but a lot of that is not incremental um, it, right. it's capturing value that would have yeah, happened. If I'm searching anyway. for Greek yogurt and I buy the Greek yogurt, like, was that really, did that the advertising do a lot? Tell me about that. So I do think it has to get s- more sophisticated and, and smarter about it, particularly in grocery and CPG mm-hmm. when you just don't have these healthy margins to work with. Um, but I, I think it's a fair critique, but uh, honestly, I, I look at it both ways. One is that it, smart marketers know you can't just look at ROAS. The other side of it is a lot of decisions get made 
by just looking at numbers in an Excel spreadsheet and they just compare ROAS across channels and all these yeah. channels have that kind of false attribution. So Especially you right their, now. Yeah, so if you see that your ROAS on retail media is $4 and in another channel it's 2 and a half or $3, mm-hmm. those dollars are probably going to move to retail media. Sure. Okay, um, I want to ask you about something that's come up a couple of times. The whether, the, wh- how fast this category has grown, is it too crowded too fast? And are we going, like, you know, you talk about the, the, the Walmarts and Instacarts are definitely aggressive and they're building out like practices and they're trying to steal dollars from other media. Other companies seems like they're just joining the party to capture what's easy money. Like I said, is it going to be for brands? Is it getting too crowded already? Is, does it kind of scream for some kind of roll up? Absolutely. Um, and I'm thinking a lot about that today. It, it's getting harder and harder. Put yourself in the position of a CPG brand. Yeah. Um, how many grocery retailers are there out there that you are selling through as major sales channels and you feel right. like you need to buy retail media through them? It's hard to manage. Most of them struggle, you know, past four platforms and they're dealing with at least a dozen, if not, you know, closer right. to 20. Um, so something has to aggregate the opportunity. Um, I think, and, and I feel like, I don't know who that is yet. I look at companies like a Google, a Microsoft, a Trade Desk, all of them could potentially play that role, but right. there's n- nobody has set themselves apart as being able to do that yet, or some of the ad tech players. Yeah. But well, it, it is, there's very, very real uh, challenges that the brands just have too many to deal with. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny. I don't know how that happens. Like, you know, you're definitely seeing Microsoft and the Trade Desk come out and saying, we want to like kind of corral this. But that's on the buy side. I wonder if it would take somebody on the sell side to say, hey, let's let's build a consortium. Let's build an ad network for this that pulls all this together so brands don't have to deal with 10 different parties. But I don't know if this, I don't know if that's in anybody's interest to do that right now. Right. Well, I think the retailers all are trying to pursue the opportunity and they all think that they can succeed. And someone they else all, needs to roll up, not us. Yeah. They all think that they have this, you know, great yep. first party data that's totally differentiated. Mm-hmm. They're going to, most of them are going to run into uh, some struggles as they try and capture the mind share and attention of, mm-hmm. of the brand buyers. They just, they're not going to be able to win their attention. So who's going right. to win? You've got your kind of multi-category, large scale retailers. You've got Amazon, you've got big marketplaces. They all have healthy businesses today and those will get yep. bigger. You've got your category leaders, right? If you're Home Depot, if you're Best Buy, they're going to be able to win the attention of those brands who are uh, very dependent on them as channels. Once you get to the second or third players in a lot of these category specialty uh, retailers, I think that's where you start to struggle. And and those are the ones that probably need to start thinking about how they right. uh, pool inventory. Right. If you are not in a, if you are not either, either owning a niche or like the, the top player in a certain category, it's gonna be really hard to justify getting budgets all the time. Um, although as we've talked about it, you and I, um, via email, th- this is, be- this is becoming a part of negotiations in, in broader ad buys, right? Where, or, 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 sorry, partnerships where, Retailers are saying you got to buy advertising on our through our retail media channel if you want to have the right shelf space to distribution in our stores. How much is that becoming a tension point in this marketplace? Yeah, the joint business planning using that as a as a cudgel to get brands to spend. Mm-hmm. So one, you're you're forcing the brands to learn your platform, right. which may be a struggle, um, and they don't necessarily know that they're getting the return on ad spend that they want or that they want to invest heavily in your channel over right. the competition. Um, so yeah, it's creating a, a friction point and a tension point um, that has, has yet to fully play out. Um, but right. I, I do hear more and more 
grumbling from brands about that issue. Yeah. What about, I know we keep talking about managing their own channels. A, a big chunk of, of retail media is hard to see, meaning that it's like the Amazons and Walmarts let, let brands use data to target consumers all over the place, right? You're seeing Walmart doing deals with um, TikTok and, and Pinterest. How, how big is the off retailer site opportunity for this category? And, and is that is that is that really good for the open web? What ultimately help this business has kind of gotten beaten up? Yeah, so it's a big opportunity. Today, it's just a little bit over 10% of, of the market. So it's okay. mostly mostly search and on-site. Most of the ads. action is on the, the retailer sites themselves. Yeah, but it's, it's quickly moving off-site. That part of the market is scaling quickly. Um, Amazon has really pushed you know, their DSP. Walmart now is plugged into the trade desk. So you're getting into the open web and direct uh, platform partnerships. Mm -hmm. um, so you've got this really great first-party data on shoppers and shopper segments yeah. that's getting plugged into where people are spending their time. Um, can this be good for the open web? Uh, ultimately, yes, if, if it's you know helping to plug the gap that we're seeing with the deprecation of third-party IDs. Right. Um, so, so one, maybe it just helps bail out that, that leaky bucket. Um, and, you know, can it, can it actually drive better? I would say if, if it brings closed loop performance into these environments, right. Um, and that can get actioned on. Yes. That, that could be kind of a, a rising tide that lifts all boats in open web, but that right. remains to be seen because it's still competing for, for dollars that are effectively doing the same things in other environments. You, you mentioned earlier how, retailers don't want to just move dollars around My, like they don't want to just move the what was once in store to their retail media budget they like to grow the pie uh, today my sense is that most of the the spending from this category is coming from existing budgets uh either what was shopper marketing in-store marketing or maybe from other digital channels like meta is that generally true or, or are we are we seeing this actually bring new budgets into the into the ad ecosystem both so there there over the last couple of years in the pandemic we saw a huge increase in incremental digital ad spend and i would mm -hmm. say that's gone disproportionately in the direction of retail media sure. so it it's really so written brands that way. put more money into digital and this is where it went yeah and i think that's going to be true into the future um but it's also starting to pull from other budgets uh but you know in kind of an interesting fashion one of the ones i think about so Facebook has a huge budget or for a lot of brands and it's starting yeah. to rationalize, but it's not, there's not really a lot of overlap between a Facebook buy and an Amazon buy. So what's actually kind of happening there is it's those budgets are, are migrating. Think about a D to C brand. It's migrating out of Facebook and into Google, mm -hmm. but then those Google search budgets are going out of Google and into Amazon. Right. So, so Google is kind of treading water there. Uh, Meta is, is, on the losing end and then you know amazon obviously is the beneficiary so it, it's kind of interesting how these budgets are migrating and then yes some of them are coming from shopper and, and trade budgets or e-commerce carve outs um, yep. within some of those brands right it'll be interesting to see how that changes over time i want to ask you about um the, the retail media has been like very very performance driven seemingly trying to get into branding more but you also you are seeing attempts at trying to bridge influencer marketing and retail media. Um, Amazon has a new product that's TikTok-like that it's called Inspire, where they're trying to get influencers to link to, uh, to you know, to, re to resell products and, and make to make purchases directly. 
I, I just don't, I don't know. And then you see, you're definitely seeing a lot of live shopping experiments. Uh, I know it's really big in Asia, not so big here yet. How much of that, like, I, I just wonder if that's the way that people want to use these properties right now, where they want to blend together, you know, entertaining influencer videos with just pure, like, executional, I'm shopping right now, retail media buys. What do you, what do you think of those efforts right now? I think there's a strong impulse to want to tighten the path to purchase and go from, you know, brand exposure mm -hmm. to conversion very quickly. A lot of purchases just don't happen that way. Um, influencers play a role in, in making that more likely. As I think of influencers as kind of a media channel in and of themselves. Right. We've seen growth in social commerce more broadly, but live streaming has not really taken off in a substantial way. Um, no. If it does, I think TikTok is going to be the one that makes that happen. So I'd say the next two years are, are the p potential for an inflection point there. Yeah. Um, we're always looking to China and chasing China where we've seen this market get huge really fast. Sure. Sometimes there's just different dynamics across markets. And so I, I would say I'm still in the somewhat skeptical camp that this is ever going to take off in a huge yeah. way in the U.S. Um, but I'm, I'm taking a wait and see approach and, and I'm kind of looking for a change in behavior. I just haven't seen it yet. It's just such, it's a huge mindset shift when Amazon becomes such a utility and I'm speaking for myself pro probably too much, but is it the place you go to just like kind of look at videos and imagine what you might want to buy and then like, you know, lean back. It's, it's just, it's so much more about getting stuff done. Correct. It's, it's not a media experience. And so yeah. where this is going to work, it has to be a place that is a media experience Inherently. first. Yeah. I think it has to be that. And then you can kind of layer in that checkout on top of it. So that's why TikTok is the place where this is most likely to happen. But we, right. you know, listen, it, it should have been Instagram and we haven't seen this checkout experience on Instagram. Right, and they've pulled was, back on that in a lot of ways. Yeah, so I mean, we, three years ago, that was really heavily hyped, um, yeah. and it just hasn't materialized in a significant way. Speaking of a, a somewhat hyped area where the, where the, you, you, people are trying to blend entertainment and shopping is t television. There's a lot of excitement about whether we can bring retail media and CTV together. Amazon's experimenting with this. We're gonna have add to cart and within certain stuff you're watching. You know, we've had home shopping forever in this world, but this is something I think different. You've written about this recently. Like what, what is the potential for bridging these two worlds right now? So I think the, the exciting part of retail media and streaming TV starts with closed loop measurement, just the ability to target audiences based on shopper behavior. Right. That's why it's so good. The, the transaction happens the same place as the advertising and Amazon. That's amazing. But like television has never had that. Yeah, so so be able to target more narrowly, reach the right audiences, and then measure performance, whether those ads actually drove incremental right. purchase. So, I mean, that is going to be transformative to the way that we think about TV advertising. So that's enough to get really excited. Now you layer in the potential for other forms of performance marketing, like add to cart, um, mm -hmm. when you see something new. And I think in CPG in particular, um, or health, personal care, and beauty, those categories where it's lower consideration. So I can see a brand or a new brand and on that impulse, I don't have to go through an in-depth shopping experience and just say, oh, I'd like to try that add to cart. Yeah. Um, that's where I think it can happen. Now, the friction point, if you think about those behaviors is that TV environments are inherently lean back and most people aren't really ready this to take action. This is not what people action. are doing with television right now, at least. So the key to this is voice. This is where Alexa integration and Amazon's like TV Omni series yeah. is interesting and where that behavior, if you remove their friction from it and people could just say add to cart and it's that simple, that's where the behavior can emerge. I still don't think it's going to happen at massive scale, 
But, you know, performance advertising is always a small number of interactions based on a lot of impressions. So um, just by having that data, I think that can also change the game. Yeah. I would think where that gets complicated is you have to have how many people have Alexa versus a Google Home versus another voice command thing through their cable system? Can they and can you connect that with enough inventory and enough CTV channels to make that a, a significant enough opportunity? That's that's gonna be there's gonna be some groundwork that's be laid there, I guess. And and that's got to be what Amazon's thinking when they introduced a TV of their yeah. own last year mm-hmm. and with voice integration. I think that's what they're thinking, and they're building yeah. this unbelievable apparatus. Now the other player to pay attention to, um, I think in the future of advertising in general, but in in this instance also is Apple. Apple doesn't have a TV screen today. I, no. I just think it makes too much sense that they should introduce some version of a of a TV screen um, where they've got they a pay also, product, right? They've got a streaming TV got product. Everything else, yeah, they've got everything else. It makes too much sense. They always resisted getting into TVs because they said it's a low margin category and people don't upgrade yeah. very often. Well, they're a services company now, so if you think of that more as a strategic touch point, right. they could probably make some decent margins on TVs. But yeah. If you think about how that enables all the other services businesses for them, it makes too much sense. So we're talking about Apple moving into the metaverse with headsets. I almost think that's a head fake and that mm-hmm. they're probably quietly working on a TV that they're right, going to introduce. Just wow when the time us one day. Right, right after they you know, acquire rights to NBA and NFL games. Right, right. <laughs> all right, Andrew, on that note, let's close this out here with, do you have any predictions for 2023 in this category or something we should really be watching for that'll be telling about where things are going? Oh, retail media in general. I mean, I, I think my predictions are that, well, I will say we, the duopoly has been disrupted. We have a new digital advertising Game of Thrones. So just yeah. watching this play out and the new players gets really interesting. Yeah. Um, I think the gravitational forces start pulling away from Silicon Valley and in the direction of Seattle. Yeah. Um, and that's Amazon and Microsoft both sure. become much bigger players. Um, but Silicon Valley isn't dead. Apple's coming up right behind it. So I think watch Apple's moves really carefully. They're apparently building a DSP. They're probably going to acquire some content. So right. um, I, I think all of a sudden we're going to look up one day and realize that there's five or six real heavy hitters driving this market. I didn't even mention yeah. TikTok, right? Yeah. Um, so, so it's exciting. I've never seen a moment that's so exciting. And then when I think about retail media, I think we're going to see some unbelievable innovation coming out of some of the top players. Um, so, so there's major tailwinds for that whole market. Yeah. Um, even in spite of the fact that, you know, advertising may have a, a bit of a recession. Yeah. It's finally not just the same old story every year, the two play, big players dominating and everyone else waiting for scrap. So that's exciting. Wasn't it boring for a while? It um, was really yeah. boring to cover. I tell you, you know, it's, it's fun to just see like there's, there's actual possibilities. Things can change. The dynasty's over. But, yeah, um, so it's 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 a great time to be an analyst because you get to pay attention to all the little moves that could yeah. easily be a very short news cycle and fly under the radar. Yeah, but they're all in service of what I think are very smart, interesting, long-term strategies, and uh, it's going to be fun to watch it play out. Yeah. Well, on that note, perfect way to close, Andrew. Thanks so much for your insight and time here. Talk to you soon, hopefully. Thanks, Mike. Great to be here. A big thank you to my guest this week, Andrew Lipson, Principal Analyst at Insider Intelligence, and of course, my partners at Markitecture. If you like this week's episode, please take a moment to rate and leave a review. We have lots more to bring you, so be sure to hit the subscribe button. We'll see you next time for more on what's next in marketing.